Come on, isn't he so good? Um, yeah, today I just want to talk about the goodness of God. And, um, you know, I, I kind of want to continue on the vein that Daniel started about spreading the glory of God throughout the earth and that we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. And I love it because he just correlated how everything um, from Genesis is now present day and that everywhere we get to go, we get to spread his glory. And I, I believe his glory and his goodness are connected. And uh, Moses said, ask to, to see the glory of the Lord. And, Jesus, and God said, I'll let my goodness pass before you. And so I think his glory and his goodness are very much correlated. And I believe in order to spread God's glory throughout the earth, we have to realize that we have, to have, a, good, that we have a good father. And because we have a good father, we have good news. Like no one, you wouldn't have someone come up to you and say like, I have really good news today. Like if it's good news, it changes your life and you come up and you're like, I have really good news. And in order to spread his glory throughout the earth, we have to be consumed with the fact that we have a good father and we have to understand to the level and to the degree we understand his goodness is to the level we will spread his glory. And so um, one of my favorite quotes um, that has totally changed my perspective on the goodness of God and who God is, is by Graham Cook. And he says um, that we should only ever be challenged by the goodness of God. And so no matter what we go through in life, if we realize that the challenge is to believe that God is good, we will look at the situation totally different. So instead of thinking we have a financial issue or a healing issue or a relational issue, we can think, Father, I know that you're good and I know that you're faithful and so I know your goodness applies to every situation in my life. And so what I love about the Bible says that, that Moses knew the ways of God and the Israelites knew his acts. And in that word ways, it's like the, the Israelites saw the hand of God, saw miracles, signs, wonders, crazy things, food manifest on the ground before them to eat. They saw the Red Sea split open. They saw people get healed. They saw like the craziest things. But yet the Israelites so quickly turned to complaining and grumbling and forgetting who God was. And Moses was the guy, the faithful one, who was God's mouthpiece. But I believe Moses... Moses' faithfulness was tied into the fact that he knew the goodness of God. And I believe when we know the goodness of God, it changes the lens in which we see life. And, I mean, could you imagine leading a million people in the desert and half of the time they're complaining against you? Like, <laughs> that would... That's not a job that I want to sign up for, right? But when you think about the encounters that Moses had with God and the transformation and the things that he got to see, you understand why Moses was able to be faithful in the position that he had. And 
And I want to say, as Christians, we're the ones who bear the good news. We're the ones who bear the glory of God. And therefore, we have to be acquainted with His goodness. We have to be acquainted with His ways, because if we understand His ways, it doesn't matter what we go through, we will be confident in who He is. And so, if we're only ever challenged by the goodness of God then we can never be challenged by anyone's bad attitude anymore. If, if the goodness of God is, is the issue, then the reality is, can we be so consumed with His goodness that when somebody is angry at us, we have enough love to give them? And then when they continue to be angry with us, do we have enough patience to bear with them? See, I believe if we understand it's all about the goodness of God, we understand it's all about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is from the Spirit, and if we have unlimited access to the Spirit, then all of a sudden, my love can outweigh someone's anger. My peace can change someone's hostility. And when we start to think in this way and in this language, we have to realize that it's goodness that overcomes evil. So if goodness truly overcomes evil, if we can walk in enough of who God is in His goodness, we'll get to see and we'll get to overcome evil. Is light greater than darkness? Is light greater than darkness? It is. (laughs) So if light is greater than darkness, what we see in the world, the darkness, is only a result of us not realizing the light that we carry. And I believe the reason why we haven't walked in the authority of spreading His glory throughout the earth is because we have become way more, we've given way too much power to the darkness. We've given way too much thought to the darkness when in reality it's all about the goodness of God. And so, and so I believe, you know, Daniel talked about ruling and subduing the earth. And, and what that looks like, and, and how ruling and subduing the earth doesn't look like getting someone in a headlock and telling them about Jesus, but it looks like healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, and spreading His goodness and His glory throughout the earth. And in order to spread His glory throughout the earth, you realize you have to have glory to give, and you have to have glory to release. And so if I grabbed your child and looked them in the eyes and told them how trashy they were, that I thought they were the worst thing, and that they just have nothing good in them, you guys are like, whoa, you guys are about to fight me. I can see it in your eyes. And then I looked at you and said, oh, you're so amazing. You're so great. Everything you do is awesome. And I just encouraged you. How would you feel about that? Would you even hear what I said about you? 
Or would you still be stuck on the fact that I just talk trash about your son or your daughter? Probably be stuck on the fact that I talk trash about your son or your daughter, yeah? So if we have to have glory to give in order to manifest the glory on the earth, what we have to realize is that we do have worth and we do have value. Because so often we think that, like I grew up with the mentality that, oh, woe is me, I'm dirt, I'm trash. God, you're amazing, I praise you, I love you. Oh, you're so good. God, I'm terrible. I'm the worst thing ever. (laughs) And we think that gives God glory. He's like, are you, like, you're insulting me right now. You know what I mean? Like, we're insulting God when we don't realize that we were created in his image and we have such value and such worth. Like, we're insulting him. And then, on top of that, when we don't realize our value and our worth, and then we go out into the world, do we really have his image and his glory if we think we're trash? No, we don't. And so, it's something, you know, when, when I grew up and I heard this verse, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? I heard that verse as this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, with, like, with a finger, you know, like, you missed it. And... And when I heard that, what I thought was, I've missed it and I'll always miss it. But when I started to really read that verse and think about it, the reality is, hey, you fell short of something so glorious I had for you. Let me show you who you are. You partnered with this thing called sin, but that's not who you are. Let me teach you your glorious identity. Do we realize that's a way different message? That's a way better gospel, yeah? Like, that's a way better gospel than you suck and Jesus has come to save you, but you'll continue to suck because that's just who you are. And you're a child of God. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But that's what I thought because I didn't realize the price that he paid for me, the worth that I have as his son, and do we realize how much pride he has for us? You know, he is a father. You know, he's a really good father. Do you know he has pride for you? Do you know he's pleased with you? Do you know that he's obsessed with you? And when you start to see that, and you start to see how much he loves you, and your worth, and your identity, you start to realize that the good news is this is that you fell short, but he came to redeem you so that you could walk in your glorious identity. And the goodness of God, all of a sudden, going and spreading the glory of God looks like this. Hey, let me show you who you are. Let me teach you your identity. Because God has something so much more amazing for you. And, and growing up as a Christian, we'll just be real, I thought, I was just called to be super lame. (laughs) And I'll explain that. But I like saw my, I'm just going to be honest. Like I was a teenager and I thought, I'm a teenager. I want to have sex. My friends did alcohol and I thought that was really awesome. And I was like, I want to do that. But I had this conviction in my heart. No, that's bad. I should not do that. 
But what my conviction was, for those of you guys who are giving me that look like my wife, <laughs> I'm going to explain myself. My conviction was not rooted in glory or goodness. It was rooted in shame. And what I mean by that is this, is that I thought I'm missing out and God is withholding on these things for, from me. And so the reality was, was I thought in order to, let me tell you, anything that you, anything that you think God is withholding from you, you will go outside of relationship and go get. You see, the way that uh, the enemy tempted Adam and Eve was that he told them, hey, God's withholding this from you. If surely if you eat of this tree, you will be like him. And so he tried to convince them that God was withholding from them. And therefore, they need to eat of this so that they can be fulfilled in a certain area. And so the role of the world is to say, hey, the role of the enemy is to say God's withholding something from you. And so growing up as a teenager, I thought God was withholding all these wonderful things from me. But in reality, God was actually, he has what's best in store for me. And he knows the way that things operate and the goodness that comes from things. And so what I tell my youth all the time, and I love to see the response from Christians, is this. Is I say, sex is good and God made it. <laughs> and everyone's like, what, what, what? Like, they're like, whoa. And I say this because... So often, the world talks about sex, and it's like as this amazing thing, and then the Christians are like shameful about it. We're like, God made sex? Like, he made it made to be amazing, and in the context that he made it to be amazing was for two people to give themselves fully to one another, to make something whole, and to lay your life down so that this intimate exchange can be made where you know all of me and I know all of you. And I'd share my kid, like, I, I go to the high schools and I share this with kids who are, like, not raised Christian, not thinking Christian, and they start to see, whoa, there's a beauty in this. And so I'm sharing all of this, not to get a shock factor, maybe partly, but I'm sharing all of this because so often we, instead of Christians representing the beauty and the glory of God, we have represented rules and things not to do. And so therefore, as a Christian, it was like, don't have sex. Rather, it was like, no, God's withholding this from you because he knows the most beautiful context that it's supposed to be in, which is through marriage. And then another thing was, it was like, don't drink. Don't drink alcohol. Well, the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, I thought God was withholding me from, but what I wish I would have known is that his desire actually was for me to be filled with the Spirit. I love how he correlates those two, you know? Most people drink because they have a hard time getting drunk because they have a hard time being themselves around people. And all of a sudden, they're afraid of what everyone thinks, but all of a sudden when they drink, it's like, oh, I become alive, and now I can be myself. And the reality is that's what the Holy Spirit does to you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm free to be myself and I stop caring what everybody thinks of me. And I can say, you know, 
sex is good and God made it and I don't care if everyone thinks I'm crazy because the reality is he lives inside of me and I can all of a sudden have this boldness to be myself. And instead of when you drink alcohol and you think, oh my gosh, I wish I didn't do that, I get filled and intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whoa, that was awesome. Where did that come from? You know what I mean? Like, it's like the opposite. There's no regret. There's like this like, whoa, I need to get more intoxicated more often with the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense? <laughs> what I'm trying to share is that so often we Christians are known for their rules and for passing laws and doing all these things to be moral, but the reality is if we represented the glory of God and our marriage looked glorious and our, our relationships looked glorious and the way that we are filled with joy was glorious, the world would say, I want that. And we would stop making, being these political, like, like politics, my mother-in-law's a poli politician, that's awesome, I love it. But the reality is if we are only passing laws instead of being a representation of what Jesus looks like. The world does not want what we have. We're bearers of his glory. We're bearers of his design. And so when people look at us, they should be saying, wow, I want that. I want that. And I love it because I'll go share some of this stuff with these kids and like you can just see like like so often like even at my work I just started working at a place and I'm just like sharing about Jesus and they're like like their context of what that should look like is so funny to me like have you guys ever came across that like like we should just create like funny things that people think Christians do you know and 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 the reality is probably a lot of them are true. <laughs> but <laughs> what's so great is when the world sees what they were created to be, their heart has a yes. It says that all creation is groaning and longing for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. And so isn't that amazing that when we operate as a son and a daughter, the world says, Oh, that's what I was made to be. When we do relationships right, when we do marriage right, when we do the glory of God and His goodness right, the world says, show me your glory. Father, I want to see what I was created for. And so, I believe it's the goodness of God that leads men unto repentance as the Bible says. And the more they see the goodness of God, the more we see the goodness of God, the more we are led into repentance, which is a changing of the mind. And so I believe if we can change our mind from do's and don'ts to fall in love with this man and behold who he is, we will be transformed into his image and we'll become like him. And all of a sudden, we're doing the do's because we've simply spent time with him and it's a natural byproduct of who we've become. And so I believe 
for the world to get his goodness, we must realize how good he is to us. That God wants to come and take your not-so-good ways and come and bring his goodness in those areas. And I believe in that area, your life will become whole because all of a sudden, when we see him differently, we will become like him. And so Adam and Eve, when they're in the garden, and remember they eat of the fruit, the first thing they do is they realize they're naked. And so they go and hide. And Jesus comes into the garden, or God comes into the garden, and he doesn't say, what did you do? He says, where are you? Because God isn't concerned about what you do. He's concerned about your connection with him. And so God all of a sudden comes and he clothes Adam and Eve in their nakedness. And I just remember what God told me one time. He says, Michael, I will never expose you unless I plan to clothe you. And so God doesn't come to point out our flaws. He comes to point out our identity. How many of you guys know of an area of your life that you'd like to change or to grow in? Okay, I hope everyone raises their hand because if, <laughs> we can all be more like Jesus, yeah? And so, and so what, um, and where was I going with that? And so what God does is he comes and he speaks to our identity because we all know what we've done wrong. We all know where we can grow. We all know where we can change. But it's not the revelation of what you can change and what you can do that actually makes you better or change. Because if that were so, everyone in this room would be transformed in that area because you already know the area that you want to change. But it's the revelation of your identity and the goodness of God to father you into that place that is actually what transforms you. And I believe God is, is taking us from a place that, like, the Bible says that the things that he has planned for us are better than what we could think or imagine. And so I remember last week I kind of touched on this, but I realized in my life, and, and I went through my story and my testimony, and I thought of times where one, I was so entrapped in sin, so bound up, such a captive, and, and Jesus in that place came and set me free. Like, I had no grid for being free, and Jesus came and set me free. And then, all of a sudden, I became free, and, and you know, maybe I needed healing, or I thought someone needed healing, and, and back in those days, I had no grid for the fact that God wanted to heal people. Like, I thought maybe God would do a miracle in Africa, or like I was always told, like, you know, God does miracles in Africa because people don't have doctors there. <laughs> that should go on a, a shirt or something, like, <laughs> dumb, dumb things Christians say. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, okay... And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I started to believe, yeah, God does miracles in Africa. And then I went from that to, oh, I heard God did a miracle in America. Like, okay, God does miracles in America, but through certain people. And then my theology changed from, 
oh, like God can heal people, but it's all in his timing. And then it went from, oh, God does miracles all the time. And I'm a son and any, anyone who's a son or a daughter can pray for someone and they can see healing. And all of a sudden that reality has grown in me to where now I see sickness and I think healing. Whereas before I'd say, oh, you're sick. Man, that stinks. So can you see, I just went through the processes in my life where, where sin, like I, I thought, you know, you're just always going to struggle with sin. And I had bad theology and thought, well, even, you know, even Paul struggled with sin. Well, that's all a lie because he's talking about when he's under the law. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> um, and so I realized, oh, no, we're not actually sinners. You, we're actually called saints. So no longer am I a sinner. Now I'm a saint. Oh, all of a sudden, now as I believe I'm a saint and I have, a f I have faith, now all of a sudden sin is not an issue. And if I do stumble, praise Jesus, I've been saved and set free from that. And the more that I realize my identity as a son, then I start to act more and more like a son. So that's a long way from a slave to a saint. Yeah? And so, you know, I used to think the presence of God. It was like, well, if, if I'm doing all my good Christian things, reading my Bible, or, or not even that. I would say, summer camp, I experienced this, the presence of God. Well, God shows up at summer camp, you know? <laughs> he shows up at summer camp. So I build my theology over the fact that if I go to summer camp, well, then the Holy Spirit will come there. <laughs> need to add that one to the shirt too um, Jesus really likes the blob or something um, so I thought he shows up at summer camp and then all of a sudden you know maybe I start to experience God in worship and then I'm like well God shows up in worship and then I start to think okay like well when I do when I read the Bible this much when I worship this long then God shows up then and I can experience his presence. And if I don't sin, then I can experience his presence. And then all of a sudden I realize, whoa, the Bible says that God is with me. He never leaves me. Well, then the reality is he's always with me. So I can always feel his presence. Jesus changed my awareness so that I can sense your nearness always to me. To where I share my story of being wrapped around the toilet and God's just blasting me and I'm... I don't know if y'all were here for that story, but I won't go into it. But the point is, you can experience the presence anywhere. That's a long ways from God shows up at summer camp sometimes, and I feel the tingles on my arm. <laughs> and then I think, of, I think of the Israelites and how they're stuck in slavery in Egypt and then, and then Moses comes along and he leads them out of Egypt into the wilderness, away from their captivity. And although they're free from their oppressor, they're still living as slaves. And then how God tries to bring them through the process of taking them into the promised land. And I think, wow, Jesus, you really care so much 
that every single time I'm settled for something of lesser than what you have for me, you guide me into a process of faith to where I can believe what you really have for me. From slavery to saint. From slavery to promised land. And now I'm at the point where I believe what Jesus says. (laughs) On earth as it is in heaven. What does heaven look like? You see, it's the goodness of God and living in the goodness of God that takes us from this to this. It's the goodness of God that takes us into His glory. And we are being transformed from glory to glory. So no matter where you're at today, God has something more glorious for you. Until everything you do looks like heaven, we are going to keep growing. And then the reality is, even when you get to heaven, you'll still be discovering more of His glory and His goodness. So guess what? You better just get over the fact that you need to be fascinated with the goodness and the glory of God. How many of you guys want to sign up for that course? That's a good course. That's a lot better course than you're just a sinner, saved by grace, and you're always going to sin, and praise Jesus, one day you will die and go to heaven. (laughs) Woo! You sound like the Israelites, yeah? And the reality is, I think we're just touching, not even touching, we're like so... They need to create another word from the tip of the iceberg. I think we're just like, we're barely starting to understand what God wants to do in us and through us to produce His glory throughout the earth. Because I think we look, you know, you look, you can see three things. There's more, I'm sure, but three things that you're like, wow, that's God. Heaven looks like God, right? Can we all agree to that? Okay, so that's where God has complete authority and dominion, and it's amazing, yeah? We all think it's amazing, yeah? Okay, second, the Garden of Eden, before Adam and Eve, or sinned. That looked amazing, yeah? Walking hand in hand with God, being with him in the cool of the day, going and planting and naming animals, and that looks awesome, yeah? We all agree? Another time, Jesus walking the earth. That looks amazing, yeah? Everywhere he went, it says that he went about doing good, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. Everything Jesus did was like, oh, this is amazing. And so often, we're defining through God, defining God through everything else but those lenses. When in reality, every time you see God interacting with man, He's trying to get them into the promised land. He's trying to get them into, like every time the Israelites are going through craziness, it's often because they reject what God has to say and they do it their own way. And so... 
so often in life, we say, why God, why God? And God's saying, what are you talking about? (laughs) Do you not know who I am? Do you not know that I'm good? Do you not see that when I was on the earth and we, everything was operating the way that I designed it and created it, there was no murder, there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no none of this stuff. So the question isn't why God, it's why us? It's, it's why have we traded spreading the glory of God for simply living in our own ways. And I believe it's because we haven't fully tasted of the goodness of God. And I believe every area that we, that we need to be transformed in, the goodness of God must meet us there. Because that's the only thing that will take us from glory to glory. And, and what, I am, what I'm not saying is that there's no cross to carry. There's a cross to carry. But what I am saying is that the joy should be greater than the cross you carry. Because Jesus says that it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So whatever cross we carry, our joy must be full. So I don't know about you guys, but I talked about the other day how Paul and Silas, how they're being beaten and they're worshiping Jesus. And like, you think of all these martyrs who gave their life. And it actually says in the book of martyrs that they would behead people and they would stick them on a post, but their face would be shining with such glory that they would be smiling. That they would actually be so, people would be so freaked out that they would take off, take down the heads. That's another level of joy. <laughs> I will take that if I can have that smile. Like, what I'm saying is, is that even through trials and persecution and whatever comes your way, you, can ha- you must have a joy that's greater than the cross you're carrying or you're not carrying God's cross. Recently, God's been rebuking me because I was like, <laughs> I was doing something and I felt like I was sacrificing and I was like God what's happening and and he's like yeah you weren't doing that for me (laughs) I'm like why he's because he said you would be a lot more happier (laughs) like dang it (laughs) dang it (laughs) the reality is when we do things for God what I love you know I was a little kid I remember at Sunday school, I felt so bad for this, even as a little kid. But there was this guy who would hand out, like, he was loaded, and he would hand out, like, big candy bars, and sometimes he'd hand out money to the kids. And so he handed, like, five bucks to me, and then we had offering, and I dumped the five dollars in the offering basket. And then I went up to him, and I was like, hey, can I have more money? I just gave my money that you gave me to God. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, ah, I don't know if it works like that, or something like that. And, and, and then I thought about it and I realized, you know what, that's exactly how it works. Because the reality is everything that we have ever been given actually comes from God. And so the reality is God's not asking you to give anything that he hasn't already given you. 
So when I started to realize this, I realized that everything you, you must give everything from God. And if you don't realize it's from God, you'll start to regret God. What I mean by that is, I'll try and explain it. It makes sense in my mind, but if you think it's from your own piggy bank, how many of you guys know your piggy bank will run dry? If it's from his piggy bank, his piggy bank never runs dry. And people always talk about burnout and talk about you don't want to burn out. Well, I believe if you are actually, he's your source, then you can't burn out because he has lots of piggy banks to go around. <laughs> and so what I started to realize is in order to be connected to the goodness of God and spreading his glory everywhere we go, we must fully be connected to his goodness. Not our own goodness because like all of a sudden if I'm giving out a place of me, my cup is running dry. But if I'm giving from his cup, his cup will never run dry and his glory will keep spreading everywhere I go because I'm giving from the overflow. And so <laughs> I love how God does that. You know, like when you guys have kids, did you ever have your kids like, you give them money to go get a present for their father, right? God does the same thing. He's like, let me give this to you, and, and guess what? You can give it back to me. Because the reality is, God wants, like, God wants, I don't, I don't want this to sound wrong, but God wants more of him. Like, God wants his glory throughout the earth, and, and the reality is, is, is it says that without faith you can't please God. Without faith you can't please God. Let me read it. And without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And so the reality is, is that it's impossible to please God without faith because if you only operate from a place um, gosh, I wish I, how do I describe this? I'm saying this recently because I have been like, I, I got in this wrong mindset and it was the fact that I thought I was giving something to God and, and, and I didn't feel like I was getting anything in return and I was almost frustrated with God. And, and God rebuked me and said, one, you're not actually giving to me if your heart isn't happy because what I want from you comes from me. And so if you're giving from me, you will have an over, you will have such a joyful heart because you'll realize that I'm not taking from you. You're simply giving back to me what I've already given you. And when you give to me, I give more to you. And it's this wonderful exchange. Does that make sense? And so I had this mindset like, oh, well, like, I'll just give, I'll just give. And I was having no expectation of him rewarding me. And when I'm saying rewarding, I'm not saying it has to come in a certain way. I'm saying all I know is if I give to you from faith, that the Bible says you must have faith that he will reward you. Because the reality is, you don't do anything unless you see results. 
You would not go lift weights if you never saw anything change. Because eventually you would get depressed and you would give up, yeah? And God, likewise, wants you to know that when you seek Him, He's going to reward you. Because if He doesn't, then guess what? You'll stop seeking Him. But His heart is that you would actually find Him. So He's like, go seek me so you can find me so that when you see me, then I'll go hide again and then you can seek me more and it'll be this fun, awesome game of discovering more of who I'm like and you can discover the glory and the goodness of God. And so what I realize is that if we do not give from God, we will regret God because we think we, when we seek Him, we will not find Him. When in reality, when we seek Him, we will always find Him. We'll always find Him. And the world would say, don't put your expectations high. Don't get your hopes up. The Bible says, put your hopes up. Get your expectations high. Why? Because I'm a rewarder of those who seek me. Why? Because I really want you to seek me. Why? Because I really want to give you something. Why? Because I'm really good. Why? Because I love you. <laughs> Why? No. <laughs> uh, I just realized that my expectations of his goodness, I can never overemphasize them. He's better, he's gooder than I could ever think or imagine. And when I think about the journey that he's taken me on, I realize that his intention for me is to bring me into a place that's better than what I could think or imagine. And when we think that God's just trying to take us and get us to manage our sin to a place of sainthood. I don't think I've ever said that word before, but... Or when we think that maybe God heals people, when in reality there won't be any sick people in heaven and God says, make this place look like heaven. Our faith must rise to what He wants to see on this earth. Our faith must rise that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him because His heart is that this place would look like heaven. All of a sudden, when I think, wow, He wants to make this place look like heaven, Jesus, I need more faith. <laughs> Jesus, I must experience more of your goodness. Because, Father, I want you to have your full reward. And his full reward is you looking like him. In every way, in every shape, in every form, for you to look like him. And when we look like Him, we will spread the glory of the earth to the ends of the earth. And I just want to see more of His glory. I want to see more of His goodness. I want to see more of His face. 
Because I know in order for me to be transformed, I got to see a lot more. And so I want us to pray, but I want us to pray with faith. I want us to pray the most crazy, wild prayers because God is like, gosh, you got to give me something. He's like, you got to give me something to work with. Like, like we pray prayers that we think we could make happen somewhat. And we're like, that's probably a good prayer. And God's like, okay, just go do that one on your, by yourself. You know, like I'm waiting for you to pray something that's so extravagant and so wonderful. Like Moses prayed, show me your glory. God's like, oh, I've been waiting for you to ask me that question. How am I going to set this up? Like, I know if you see my face, you'll die. Oh, goodness. All right, come on, guys. Let's think. All right, I'm going to get you in a cave. I'll, like, put my hand over the cave. I'll let my goodness pass before you just so that when you see me, you don't completely incinerate into a puff of smoke. Like, in the most glorious way. Like, like if I want to go, if I, like... If you're going to go, that's the way to go. Like, just see his glory and just like, like, just ash just on the floor. Like, God wants us to pray the most crazy prayers. And when I think of the people who gave such extravagant sacrifices to God, I realize it's because they were so convinced of the goodness of God. I'm going to end, but I do want to end on this. Think about Abraham. Abraham was willing to give his son. And the reason why Abraham was willing to give his son is, one, because he knew he only had that son because of God. So remember... God, you can only give God what He's already given you. Secondly, Abraham said, Father, I know you're so good that even if I give my son, I know that you can raise him from the dead. Listen, how great was Abraham's awareness of God's goodness? That's why he had such faith. That's why he could put his son out there was because he was so convinced God was so good that he could raise him from the dead. And then Jesus giving the most, no one else gave anything like Jesus gave, obviously. His life on the cross. But when Jesus was on the cross, I don't believe he was... I said this the other day. He was the lamb slain, but I believe inside of him, he was a lion. And what he was looking at was the sons and the daughters that he would create when he gave his life. And that was the joy. It was the awareness of what the father would do through his sacrifice that he said, I'll give everything. But he had a faith in a greater reality. I think of Stephen, who 
was being stoned to death and saying, Father, he looked and saw Jesus in heaven standing and he said, that Father, forgive them for what they do. And he gave his life. And then all of a sudden you see Paul, through the blood spill that Stephen gave, Paul radically gets transformed. And what I'm saying, in all of these great sacrifices of people giving things to God, it was all from a place of one, them giving God what he had already given them, and two, them being so aware of, aware of the goodness of God. And so what I'm trying to say is God is trying to get you into a place where you would ask for the most radical and crazy thing that you could ever believe for because he is dying to do it on the earth. He's dying to do it on the earth. I think about Ryan Hardbonke who asked for a million souls. I think about I think about I don't know what I think about. I think about people who have radical faith and it's because they ask for radical things. And so what I want us to do as a body is I want us to ask for radical things. Like not like like you have to understand what I'm saying is not based on hype. What I'm saying is it's based upon the awareness of the goodness of God. That the reality is that what he has put in your heart and the burning that he has put in your heart is there's a reason for that because he longs to do it on the earth. And what my heart burns for right now is I am getting more and more convinced that this place has to look like heaven. It has to. Like, I am so convinced. I mean, it's in the Bible. And Jesus actually told us to pray the prayer. <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus asked you to pray that prayer. Jesus asked you to pray for heaven to come here. Like it's not this like, ooh, heaven, we're going to sing awesome songs. Like it's heaven. <laughs> it's heaven. And what I am asking him to do in us is to build our faith that we could believe that it's reality and that it's possible every day. And so, babe, could you get up and could you actually sing that song, Our Father? I want to start, like, here's the thing. Before this, I was like, I was almost discouraged and I was disappointed. 
because I was like, God, I feel like I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not seeing anything. And, and God showed me I'm so much better than you could imagine or you could think. And he started to show me all of the things that he's done in my life and the transformation. And he says, listen, Michael, you're, you're not the good one I am. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> um, and, and all of a sudden, in that place, he healed disappointment and discouragement. And he replaced it with faith and belief. And so maybe you have discouragement from things that you have not seen. But I would like to say Jesus is better and he's gooder. I know, I know, I'm saying gooder. He's gooder than you could ever imagine. And from that place, I want him to heal our hearts so that we can start asking him for the things that are in his. For the things that he longs to do on this earth that are better than what we could ever imagine. And so I'm going to pray for that, and then we're going to sing this song. And, and I want us to lift our faith into his faith. Because he will give us faith for what, isn't it funny? He's the author of our faith. So do you realize he wants to author your faith to believe for what he wants to do? So you might be like, I don't have any faith for that. Well, that's okay because he's going to author it, right? So I'm going to pray that he writes on our heart what he wants to author on this earth. Because he wants to do better things than we could ever imagine. And so if you just put your hand on your heart. Jesus, I just pray for the groaning and the longings of your heart. For us and for this earth, God. And I pray, Father, that you would author faith on our hearts to believe what you are desiring for us and for the people around us. That, Father, we would have faith to believe for the most ridiculous things because we've tasted of your goodness and we've tasted of the reality that you want to give it to us. And so, Father, we partner with you today. In Jesus' name.
<clears throat> I want to do it again. But we have, to, we have to realize that when we ask for something, he actually wants to give it to us. So if your kid, if you have a kid and he says, and he knows that their parent's going to give him whatever he asks for, and he comes up to ask him for it, how do you think he would ask him? I guarantee you wouldn't be like, Dad, could you please get me a Sega Dreamcast? Or could you get me a PS4? If he knows that his dad is going to give it to him, he's going to be like, Dad! I want a PS4! And he's going to be like super happy and screaming, and he's going to be anticipating, yeah? So I want us to stand up, and I want us to sing this in a new way, and, and heaven come to earth. Let heaven come to earth. And if you're thinking, well, the reality is this and this and this is going on, do you realize, like some people say, that's first world problems, you know what I mean? Well, well, any problem that you have right now, that's earthly problems, okay? So we're going to get outside of earthly problems because we're going to step into heavenly realms where there are none of those worries that we might consume our mind. And we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus and we're going to ask that his kingdom comes to the earth, yeah?
just need healing in your body, I would just, just check it out and see if it's good. Just raise your hand if you experience any healing. Just wave your hand. Is there anyone who experienced healing in their body or a change in their body? Test it out if you haven't. I need more heaven. <laughs> awesome. He's so good. Um, if you need anything, prayer for anything, um, we're just going to release heaven on, on one another because he lives inside of us. So if you need prayer for anything, find someone and we'll pray for one another and, and just believe for whatever you need that heaven is going to touch that reality because it's his heart, it's his will. And so, love you guys, y'all are amazing. Have a blessed week and uh, go release heaven. Go spread his glory because Jesus lives inside of you. Bless you, bless you, bless you.